The Leaning In Leadership Podcast is presented to you by Olivet Nazarene University and Shine.fm. This is a place to lean in to good leadership practices through conversations with great leaders. Lean in and listen close as your host, Dr. Carlos Lonberger, discusses a wide variety of leadership topics to encourage, equip, and empower your leadership. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Leaning In Leadership Podcast. I'm Carlos Lonberger, and today I am here with my good friend, Lucas Cortazio, who is the worship pastor at Community Christian Church in Naperville, Illinois, and my new good friend, Pastor Dave Ferguson, who is the lead pastor there at Community Christian as well. Welcome, gentlemen. Glad you're here today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We both spoke at the same time. Is that what That's it was? That's how in sync we are. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's what you need to be good team leaders, right? And that's what we're, we're going to talk about team leadership today and how we work together with those we lead alongside. And that's a pretty interesting dynamic. It can be challenging at times, but it can also be incredibly fulfilling and a really great part of leadership when we're on a team with people who share the same passions and the same mission. Dave, tell us a little bit about the history of Community Christian there and give us a little bit of background of you and Lucas and your time working together. Sure. I was basically a few friends from college and the thing that probably drives us and continues to drive us more than anything else is also our mission statement as to help people find their way back to God. God's been very, very kind to us over the years. We've now, we, we have 10 locations in the city and suburbs couple locations in prisons. We're very excited and passionate about also church planning. So we're able to launch something called the New Thing Network, which now has a little more than 3,000 churches globally along the way. I got to meet and then work with great people like Lucas and his wife, Evelyn. That's great. So Lucas, how long have you and Dave been working together now? About seven years. We started at a conference that Dave is the president of called Exponential Conference. It's a church planning conference. I think a couple of years after that, they brought me in and Evelyn from Boston to work here at Community. So at Community, it's been almost six part, years. Part of the uh, backstory on that, Carlos, is when we first started planting churches, I think it was probably our fourth or fifth, somewhere in there, church plant. One of our campus pastors, along with a whole bunch, well, several people, moved to Boston playing a church called Muni right. Church. Got up to a great start. And then you can pick up the story from there if you want, Lucas. Yes. I mean, we, my wife and I grew up in Brazil and we were in Boston at this time, got married there, found his church reunion. And I remember the time for reunion was a church for the rest of us, which was perfect for that season in our lives. And we got connected. One of the guys that left here to plant the church, Mike Brown, is actually the guy that had an I see you conversation with me at the time saying, hey man, I, I see you doing what I do. And I said, you're crazy because it meant leaving my job and then working for the church. And I, I think two months after that, we started fundraising and started working for the church and then got to plant the church. That story is amazing. It just goes to show how Dave and John and the team here have so many tentacles around the globe, really relational in multiplying what they do here in Chicago, but it really goes, the ripple effect is crazy. When I was leading this conference called Exponential, we have 5,500 people that need to just really champion the cause of church plant every year in Orlando. As it grew, at first we just would have any kind of, we'd have a church plant band come and play for us, but it kind of got bigger. So we kind of had the increased quality. So we started looking across the country and our church plant in Union, I mean, had unbelievable musicians. What was the music school near you guys, Lucas? Berkeley. It was, we we met at, at the Hilton right behind Berkeley School of Music. So yes, we had at any given point, 50 to 70 musicians who were being trained 
And then we didn't have to pay them. They would just come and so we were able to do exponential kind of still say, oh yeah, we got a church plant band playing. <laughs> they were all professionals, even though they were all part of one church. And it was an awesome, awesome group that Mike and then also Lucas were leading. Lucas, you mentioned that I see in you conversation, which is a big part to Dave, your book, Hero Maker, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But let's, Dave, if you will, just kind of walk through the conversation, what, what that's like as you kind of look into other people and identify potential and possible leaders in someone that maybe you've even just met. When we wrote Hero Maker, the big idea behind it is what kind of a leader actually multiplies their influence through other people and through lots of other people. We did some homework on the type of leader. We were actually able to bring together kind of a think tank down in Atlanta on a couple different occasions. We came up with this long list, and I won't go into all the details of how we got it and the people that are involved, but uh, of characteristics of leaders that multiply leaders. Basically, we took this list of about 25 different traits and characteristics and paired it down to five. And one of the five key characteristics of the kind of leader that multiplies other leaders is what we call permission-giving, a permission-giving leader. The permission-giving leader, one of the tools that they use and the way we phrase it at Community is they intentionally have what we call ICNU conversations. Now, if your listeners, and I know you got a lot of leaders listening in, if they're not familiar with that, just think of the four letters of the alphabet, I-C-N-U. Those are the four most important letters of the alphabet. And what Mike did with Lucas was Mike was a guy who really was a terrific and still is a terrific people developer. But he saw, how old were you, Lucas, when he had that conversation with you? Oh, man, 25, 24, okay, 25. So, so right Mike there. sees this 24, 25-year-old who has just raw physical and leadership gifting. And he pulls him aside and very intentionally says, here's what I see in you and here's who you could be. And I'll tell you what, when someone like a Mike has that conversation with somebody, I mean, it's life-changing. And my hunch is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here, Carlos. There's no way that you're probably in the role that you're in now. Name somebody who saw something in you before you saw it in yourself, who believed in you before you believed in yourself, who in some way, they may not have used the exact phrase, but they had an ICNU conversation. Is that, is that true? Absolutely. There was a senior pastor I worked for that just very early on said, I see you becoming a, a greater leader than I could ever imagine. And from that moment on, the investment that he made in me and my future leadership was invaluable to me. Yep. And see what you just said there too, that he said, I see in you a leader who, who will go farther and make a bigger difference than even me. That is like the working definition of a hero maker. Somebody who wants that for somebody else and does everything they can to make that happen. You're blessed to have that kind of person in your life. And that's what we challenge people, hero maker, to be that kind of person for other people. It was life changing for me. It was ministry changing. It was leadership changing. Let's play out how this moves forward. You have a, a great conversation with an incredibly talented young musician and leader like Lucas, who has an amazingly gifted wife alongside of him as well in Evelyn. And they are a dynamic duo in worship leadership. And you bring them on your team. What is then the process from there and, and kind of the story behind of you guys figuring out what it means and what it looks like to work together on a weekly basis? I think for me, it all goes back to vision, or it starts there at least. When you have a leader like Dave who sets the vision of where we're going as a church, it makes my job a lot easier to just, just say yes and amen, to question some things that maybe in my head, they're like, why, why are we doing this? Or, but it starts with the vision piece, first and foremost, for me anyway. I don't know if you would agree, Dave. 
A people without vision is a dead people, right? It's a group of people that they don't know where they're going. Maybe they don't even know where they've been. They're just kind of lost in the wilderness. So having vision set is super important. And then I would just add relationally, I think Dave and his brother John and the rest of our team, they've really set the table here for people to just come in and really get a feel for what they're doing. Uh, and I think we can go into more details of like planning and all that, that sort of stuff. But those two points for me are huge vision and then relational connection, relational equity with one another. Monday through Monday, doing what we love to do together. That's where I think community has really exceeded my every expectation as someone coming in, someone coming new. Dave, what would you add to that? I would agree. I think one of the things, and if we do have, uh, you know, uh, senior pastors or lead pastors and also worship pastors listening in, I think one of the key things making that unique relationship work, I think there's two words. One is trust mm. and another is risk. Mm. Trust and risk. What the lead pastor needs is his trust. I mean, you can hear it even Luke, the way Lucas talks. I mean, we're friends, but he's also, I mean, he's just, he's just, he, well, he's just a good dude, but <laughs> he's so super loyal. And I think I, he does, he trusts me. And I feel that. But I also think what's really important, and, this, and so now I speak specifically to lead pastors, what they need to do, what they need to give their worship pastor is what every artist needs. And that's permission to take risks. Hmm. Because artists are wired that way. Think about any kind of art. I mean, what they do is basically they take the things that are inside them and then they kind of like put them on display. Not so much in a worship sense, but it's also true there. So stick with me with the artist metaphor. Everybody in the room gets a chance to either kind of applaud or cheer or boo. So I mean, like you're an artist, you paint, you put it on a, you put it on a canvas, and everybody goes like, oh, that's spectacular or that's stupid, I don't like it. See, artists regularly, they just, more than anybody else, they take risks and they need, they're wired to take risks. And I know Lucas is like that, him and Evelyn both. I mean, they want to take risks to take the church um, spiritually to places that other people might, might be afraid to do for it to, the dynamic to really work. Lead pastor has to allow them to take risks. At the same time, I think the, the worship pastor has to trust the lead pastor. When you have that, it's a pretty special thing. I love that. Can I add something? I think it's so important. Again, I think we can talk about this going forward. But to have a set structure, expectations, even in our planning for the Sundays, the way the team has set it up before we got here, actually allowed Evelyn and I to take risks. Because we had a foundation as far as a church structure and leadership structure, we actually had space. You know, after a year and a half, I think, you know, we got our feet underneath of us and, and we, we, we knew where we were and, and what was expected of us. It allowed that structure, allowed us the space to take risks. The trust and the risk combination is kind of the sweet spot. And it's important, uh, especially for lead pastors, senior leaders, and the worship pastor. That's my background. I see it as incredibly necessary for those two particular roles in leadership within the church because of the nature of how closely you work together and how that all comes together each week through the creative efforts and the trust and the risk that you take together in that relationship, I think is incredible. So talk us through, Dave, start us off. What's the process for how you all come to the table with ideas and how you get to a point of a Sunday morning worship service and how you get that created together as a team? It's a very collaborative process. I think underpinning what we do, both artistic side and on the teaching side, is kind of this, this idea of community that when you, we actually create things, better things together, including theology, when we do it together. Very practically speaking, sometime, usually in the month of April or May, and we actually just finished it up, we will have culminated about a, a three-month process, our big idea teaching schedule, our teaching kind of curriculum, if you want, for the whole year. As of actually, it was uh, last Wednesday and Thursday, we mapped out all the big ideas that we're going to teach this next September through the following September. So September of 2020 through the September of, uh, or through August of 2021. So that becomes kind of the foundation piece. 
And so the teaching team, the creative team are both working on ideas that we bring, that we bring together. There's a series of meetings where we go through this whole process and the big idea kind of maps, it does actually maps out this whole process for how you can do it. And eventually it gets to the place where at each of our locations and they're taking those and playing the services and kind of tweaking them. And maybe that's where Lucas, you can pick up with what we do from there. Like I was saying, that's the foundation and that ground that we can stand on and have freedom. Because a lot of the times, maybe I'll speak a little bit to like my time at Reunion because we did the same thing at Reunion, but it was a, at a much smaller scale. So there's more of a relationship between like the lead person and the worship pastor. Oftentimes, Dave and I, we'll see each other in the office, but really when it comes to that Sunday, because we have a vest team, we're both running in our lanes and then we get there on Sunday. Off, you know, sometimes we'll have conversation about that Sunday for doing a special song. We want to be really nailed down the language for that Sunday. We can have conversations, but really because the team is so, it's such a well-oiled machine, oftentimes we're talking and sharing some stuff on that Sunday. Now, let me just go back to Boston a little bit. That relationship is vital. The relationship between your teacher, your lead pastor, and your worship pastor, making sure that we're on the same page after the big idea has been set, after the songs have been set, that the message has been written. We want everything to point to that big idea. I mean, yeah, we have underneath that big idea is helping people find the way back to God. But then right after that, it's we're pointing all the songs, what we're saying. Oftentimes, Dave, you and I talk about, we want to make sure that everything that is used as that is said or sung or a video that is shown, everything is pointing to the big idea. That way the message is clear. There's little room for like, what what they mean about, you know, when they said this, we're, we're working together. And together is really the word I think that nails it for me. And again, you can, if you're part of a, a church of a hundred people or part of a church of, of 10,000 people, that process is the same. It's going to look different, you know, the more people that you add to the team. That's really critical and huge to understand how all those different pieces are vital and come together to point to that one big key idea that you're trying to convey. Uh, sometimes it's interesting, you you get this idea that maybe the worship pastor is trying to convey one thing and the speakers go in a different way and working out those kinks together and, and those details together are huge. One of the things I would just kind of reinforce is what Lucas said at the end there too. Even though at this point, community is a, a fairly large church, this idea of conveying one big idea in your worship experience, that is not a big church idea. That is something right. the church can do. We started doing this as a church plant. Like we have multiple locations now, you know, we have worship pastors, all the locations, that kind of stuff. But when we first started implementing this big idea, we would actually be me and then a, some volunteers would meet for breakfast and we would map out what we're going to do. But the intention was the same that, okay, whatever is said from the stage, whatever songs are sung, whatever message is taught, we're trying to drive home one big idea that's going to help the, everybody there take that next step in following Jesus. We're just really adamant about that because I think what happens in a lot of places is you kind of, well, we're going to let such and such do the announcements. And so they, they, you know, they're running off in this direction and someone else is going to do a, a, an offering moment and they're headed in a different direction. And then the worship team, they, they just kind of pick their own songs and the pastor figures out what he's going to say, you know, Thursday or Friday. And so no, there's no <laughs> way anybody else can kind of catch up with him because he's late in the game. And so you end up with lots of little messages instead of one big idea. And I'm telling you, one big idea can make a powerful, powerful impact. But that's the key, right? And, and that's the critical point to team leadership is everyone moving towards understanding and articulating the same big message. That's important on Sunday morning, but it's also important in team meetings on Tuesday. The whole general operation of our leadership is reflected in the tip of the iceberg that is... Sunday morning. 
in so much more of the ministry. I know this is a passion for Lucas and Evelyn of the ministry off of the platform and the critical nature of those relationships and caring for people that you lead in that way. Talk a little bit about your team and how you care for them throughout the week and get everyone moving in the same direction on the same page towards the same big idea. In a church our size, I'll kind of give that picture, paint the picture, but then I also try to paint the picture for, for a smaller church. But like you said, Carlos, ministry really does happen off the stage. And, and the stage, I like to think the stage is really a combination of all, all of the things that we've put effort towards. And relationally, we, we cross our, our 10 locations. We have, again, I came into this, these guys had a leadership structure that we have a center, teams in the center that work very closely with our locations. And it's all relational. Yes, there's the vision piece. And, but at the end of the day, we want to be intentional and in checking in. So for example, I'm the worship pastor. So that's my lane, right? We have five other or four other champions somewhere around there. But, but all of us kind of function in the same way. We received the vision from Dave and his team, but really being intentional about relationships. So I try to you know, check in once a month, at least over coffee or lunch with each of our worship pastors. We, we, in this, we, I'm sure it's, it's in at least one of the books, but we go through RPMs. Uh, you know, how are you doing relationally, physically, spiritually, and, and emotionally? No, wait, mentally. At the end of the day, those conversations really build what Dave had talked about before. It's, it's that trust piece. We just hired two new worship pastors here. And you know, when they first come in, I, I intentionally, instead of once a month, I go at least twice a month with a lot of texts in between here and there, phone calls. Again, wanting to build that trust. You can't force it, but what you can do, and I, you know, I remember a guy at Exponential saying this, and I think this applies for everything else. Some of these things you can't force. It's like you're in a ship and all you can do is set up the sails. You can't make the wind blow to get that ship moving, right? But we can set up sales relationally by creating some of these rhythms. And we do them across the board, meeting with people. It's super important. Dave can speak to, you know, monthly we gather as the whole church. And Dave is always casting vision for our whole staff. It's the, the second or third Tuesday of the month, all staff, sorry. In this season, we're doing it twice a month. Sorry about that. Keeping the, the vision in front of people. Dave says this all the time. Vision leaks. Keeping that in front of people is super important. But again, I go back to the relational aspect of, of, of everything that we do. When you have a team that, that trusts each other, man, we can conquer anything. And I, I really do believe that. You know, when you have that trust amongst your leadership team, you find a little bit more willingness to, of your teammates, uh, of your team to take those risks. And those risks are the things that could really advance and move uh, your mission and your vision and your strategy into some different places than what you might have been otherwise, which I think is incredible. Dave, if there is anything beyond even the trust and risk combination, is there any one thing that you would give as advice to senior leaders, senior pastors, lead pastors in their relationship with their worship pastor? And then Lucas, the same question for you, just flipped. What kind of advice would both of you give to people in your role as it pertains to each other? If I'm talking to lead pastors, senior pastors, you want to make your worship pastor successful? This is very, very practical. Plan your sermons in advance. 
I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's, it is that simple. And the greatest block to create this, and senior pastors won't love me for saying this, but the greatest block to creativity in the church are lead pastors who will say, well, you know, I, I don't know what I'm, who, who don't know what they're going to teach or who are procrastinating or sometimes say, well, the Holy Spirit hasn't told me yet. And they wait till, you know, Thursday, Friday, whatever. If you can at least, okay, do this. If you can plan a couple of weeks in advance, just here's where I'm going for your worship pastors and artists, that gives them time to be creative. But if you're showing up on Wednesday saying, hey, here's a scripture and here's a title, and then you want them to make a video and you want them to write a song or perform a song or do something, and there's just not enough time. Creativity takes time. And I think sometimes lead pastors don't give their very talented worship pastors, artists enough space, enough time. Here's the other thing, and I'll be I'll be brief on this one. So what does happen then is so like you give it to them the last minute and then they, the worship pastor hustles to come up with this creative risk-taking idea, but then the lead pastor doesn't really like it. Part of the problem is because they haven't given enough time. If you give it enough time, you'll be able to have conversations about trust and risk, about how we can actually make this thing work in a way that I trust it. I think that's a real source of a lot of conflict between worship pastors and lead pastors. And a lot of that could be resolved by giving them more time and planning your sermons in advance. I want to focus on a particular phrase in there that you said, Dave, of creativity takes time. Sometimes, Lucas, you could probably testify to this as well. I think sometimes because you have creative minds and musicians that are so good at what they do, they sometimes make the very difficult tasks seem pretty simple. And the reality is it's only simple because they've spent their entire life practicing and the entire week preparing for that particular moment. And it took time to get to that place and assuming that big creative things can happen in quick moments is not always the case for the worship pastor, right, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, I would add to excellence takes time. So in this case, if you want an excellent service, the quicker you get to the place that you, we can all agree on what we're doing, what songs we're, we're singing, what message we're teaching. Again, are we in sync? It actually gives not just me, but then my team of volunteers time to actually become even more excellent in what we do. So yes, Creativity takes time. I think excellence also takes time. And I think my advice for, for worship pastors, and it's something Dave alluded to earlier in the conversation, I think if you found that God is calling you, has called you to where you are today, I really do believe this with all my heart. Loyalty is huge. And it's not blind loyalty. So again, if I believe God called me and my wife and our three kids six years ago to move to Chicago, I believe that until the point that I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to do something else, right? So if I believe that, and I believe that today, then I have to support my leader. I have to support him with loyalty. And then I, I think practically something that Evelyn and I do all the time is, man, we lift him up. We lift Dave and his wife Sue up in prayer. We lift the rest of our leadership in prayer and we support them by, again, doing the best that I can possibly do. So worship leader out there, worship pastor out there, support your lead pastor. And if you get to the point that you can't do that anymore, honestly, and, and the spirit is moving you somewhere else, then pick up and leave. I see a lot of times people are still struggling relationally. They're not listening to the spirit and they're not really doing their job. I mean, I have a job to do. And part of my job is to support Dave and the vision that I believe God has given to him. And when I see healthy relationships, that's what it takes at the end of the day. That's incredible. That's great. It's so important, yet sometimes so easy to lose sight of that we're on the same team. 
we're in this thing together. And even though we see the world maybe through different lenses and different perspectives, we've got to have each other's backs. That's huge. Having each other's back. And I, I feel that with Dave. I think he feels it with me. Having each other back, by the way, guys, doesn't mean that you agree on everything. <laughs> doesn't mean that you agree on everything. Lucas likes the Patriots. I hate the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> That's an example. But even ministry stuff, we, we might not agree on everything. But really, for me, at the end of the day, I can sleep, I can sleep well when Dave is casting a vision for our church. That's it. And if I have a question, I'll, I'll text him. I'll call him. We'll have that conversation. And I can do that with other leaders of our church as well. And people do it with me. Again, that's where the relationship and the trust comes in. But be frank. Like, speak your mind to one another. And it might take time, if, especially if you just started on the job together. It might take time to develop that. But make sure you're doing the work. And again, you're setting up the sales relationally so that you can have those sometimes tough conversations. And that's important that we have each other's backs, even though we may not agree on every aspect of what it is we're working on because your perspective my perspective may be different but the reality is the two of them together could get us to a better place than where we ever would have been on our own that's right so dave let's talk a little bit we'll shift gears here for a minute and let's talk about your book with warren bird called hero maker i love this book i teach a graduate leadership class and we use this book. I am working my team through this book together. I love the concept of investing in others in a more significant way than what may happen naturally and being intentional in developing others. So give us a little kind of summary of the book and a couple of the big highlights of key points for you. Maybe one way just to kind of summarize the book, I had a mentor, a guy named Bob Buford, who also, he wrote a terrific book called Halftime. Maybe you've read that. Bob was a guy who made a lot of money in the cable TV industry. When his son, his only son, tragically died, he began to reevaluate a lot of things. And he had seen that he was successful and now wanted to live a life of significance. And so uh, he made the shift from what he called success to significance. And in many ways, I would say, you could say this about my mentor, that he went from trying to be the hero to being a hero maker. Because part of the shift that he made when he went to try to live a life of significance is he would always have either in his wallet or his front pocket, a small card. It would have maybe 10, 11, 12 names of young emerging leaders that he was relationally and even financially invested in. For a while, I was fortunate enough that my name was one of the names on his list. And Bob used to have this phrase, and I think this kind of sums up what it means to be a hero maker. He would say this, my fruit grows on other people's trees. Just like Carlos, the story you told, your mentor said, you know what? I think you're going to be a better leader than me. That's what it means to be a hero maker. That's what Bob did for me. And in many ways, I think that's exactly what Jesus did for his disciples. There's, there's, this, there's kind of a passage that we don't dive into too much and sometimes misunderstood. But Jesus actually looks at his closest followers and he said, the things you've seen me do, you're going to do even greater things than these. And what he was doing and what he did for those three years, and think about this, I mean, don't let this be so commonplace that you miss it, that, that basically he invests his life in a dozen other people who he knew if he, if he would pour his life into doing everything he could to help them do greater things that he's done, that could create a movement that would change not only the world, but the course of eternity. And, and they did. I mean, they went places that he never went. They were the ones that were the catalyst for the movement. They were the ones that wrote the best-selling book, the Bible. In many ways, I mean, they did do things because of who he was for them. What we do in the book is we just challenge leaders to think of, don't just try to be the hero. I mean, that's good, but it's not great. What's really where real greatness is found is when you decide to be a hero maker. 
when you start to make that mind shift of the questions of what it is, how can I do, what do I need to do to make this grow, how do I work this, to what do we do, how do I facilitate someone else, you talk a little bit about the shift in those questions. Can you explain that a little bit of the difference between some of the wrong questions we ask and the right questions that need to be at the front of our mind? We spent a couple chapters at the beginning talking about that. I'll just throw one A. I, I think the predominant question that most, and again, this is probably most either lead pastors or senior pastors, or if you're a solo pastor at church, the, probably the dominant preoccupying question that they wake up thinking about is something like this. How can I grow my church? And what that does, it shrinks the kingdom of God so small because you're asking, how can I grow my church? And what we do in Hero Maker instead, we said, what if instead you begin to ask a different question? And a different question is, how can we, okay, you and others, how can we not just grow, but instead, I use the word multiply. You don't want to just grow. You, you grow so you can send. You don't just grow to create more seating capacity. You grow to create sending capacity. So instead of asking, how do I grow my church? Ask, how do we multiply God's kingdom? And if every leader listening to our voice would wake up every day and ask the question, how do we multiply God's kingdom? I'm telling you, the outcome would be profoundly different, profoundly different. Not only would it increase their own influence, but it would also increase and expand the kingdom. I'm just kind of curious. I'm going to see if there's uh, some real legs to this and ask Lucas, what is a hero maker story that you've experienced in your ministry and in your leadership? First off, Hero Maker is my favorite book that Dave has written. So if you haven't read it yet, go get it. It really encapsulates who we are as a church. And again, to say that this man, <laughs> he doesn't just talk, he walks the walk. I remember perhaps one of our first encounters together, Dave, we, you and I sometimes remember this together. When they hired us to come to Exponential, which again is a massive, massive at the time and still is the biggest thing that Evelyn and I have ever done together on a stage, right? So these guys gave us this opportunity, which again goes back to that releasing or like giving you know, permission given to Brazilians who are not even native to this land. English is our second language. And they're like, hey, uh, yeah, do this thing on the stage. 5,000 people in the room. We're like, okay. And one of the things they had, Dave didn't say this because we hadn't met yet, but the, the team that was working with Dave that hired the band had said, hey, listen, it's going to be really hard to keep criticism from getting to you guys. Music at the conference is always the thing that people complain the most about because you have literally dozens of different backgrounds in that room together, Baptists. Presbyterians, you have folks who are super progressive. You got you got folks that are more traditional. Music is too loud or not loud enough. Anyway, I remember the second day at the conference, and this is the first time that Dave and I really had a conversation. And he came to me and he said, Hey man, I just wanted to thank you because A, I haven't received one complaint from anybody about the music. The excellence has been great. But then he said this, and, and I was able to actually just give it right back to him because he said, your heart shows, your heart is even even more excellent than your actual musical excellence right now. And, and you know, working with tech people and, and working with the teams and being flexible. And that stuff I said to Dave, look, man, <laughs> thank you for saying this, but really I learned this from Mike Brown, who learned from Hank Wilson, who learned from you. So I was like fourth generation. <laughs> and, and, and we had this amazing moment that I will never forget in my life. But it was very true. Because Dave was able to speak into people's lives and then release them, literally what he just said, he did it with Hank. Hank was our, the guy that planted our third location at the time here in Chicago. 
But then he picked up and was sent to Boston. Dave blessed him. That's what they were doing. Fourth church, in which now is over 3,000 churches of new thing. Hank was able to work with Mike, and Mike was able to work with me. And then we had this moment at Exponential, and it was, it was just so amazing to see. And again, he puts his money where his mouth is, and I've been able to do the same, which is, which is a gift. I got to tell you, Dave, I have students at Olivet and Nazarene University that I work with that have been invested in by Lucas and Evelyn in incredible and meaningful and visible ways. And so that multiplication and the trickle down of being a hero maker continues uh, even beyond what you guys could see immediately. It's incredible. God is good, man. God is good. It's so good. It's so good. It's like when Lucas told us, tells us a story, like I, I went to him with the full intention of really affirming him and paying him a compliment. And when he, he did say that, and it just totally caught me off guard because I hadn't really put that together like that at all. And it was one, it was one of the better compliments I've ever received. So it's oh, wow. very kind. I need that in writing. I'm, I, I need to print it on the book when I write a book. <laughs> hey, we've got it recorded now so we can do it for you. <laughs> That's right. I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for you taking this time. I'm grateful for your partnership at Community Christian. I have had the privilege of seeing this firsthand in action and your hearts on display, getting the opportunity to lead worship with Lucas and Evelyn and the team of students from Olivet Nazarene University. And we're grateful for you. We love you. We support you. And we're proud of you. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks, Carlos. Thank you, Carlos. Thanks for having us. If you haven't yet, you can check out other episodes of the Leaning In Leadership Podcast on all of the Shine.fm podcast channels and avenues. Please like and share that content wherever you consume that content. And remember, whenever you are a leader, you're not just in a people business. Your business is people. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leaning In Leadership Podcast from Olivet Nazarene University and Shine.fm. If you enjoy this episode, please comment on it, rate it, and share it wherever you stream your content. You can follow Leaning In Leadership on social media and watch for upcoming episodes released the first Thursday of every month.